welcome to the podcast In Progress by TravelFit. I'm your host, Chris Walker, the founder of TravelFit. I'll be taking you on a journey where I interview small business entrepreneurs to worldwide celebrities, where we hear each person's stories and how they overcame their own challenges to achieve their professional and personal goals in life. We dive into how to create a successful life through health, fitness, and developing a stronger mindset, and how travel can impact our life for the better. If you feel stuck in life, then this podcast is for you. Thanks so much for listening in today. Before we jump into the episode about what it's about, who's it with, we just have one favor to ask. This podcast is not affiliated by any brands or businesses and not sponsored. Everything we create on here is completely from us and completely funded by us. All we ask is that you share this with a friend, family member on social media, leave us a review or even jump on the website and grab a shirt. This helps to support us in this journey and allows us to continue to inspire more people with amazing stories from all our guests. Once again, thank you for listening in and enjoy. Thanks so much for listening in. Today's episode is Compounding Your Wins with Aaron Griffiths. Today's interview, we talk about how Aaron started his life early on as a paper boy. He soon learned the importance of hard work and discipline, which led him to then eventually, a few years later, running his own law firm. Soon after, he found himself looking after his wife, who had a severe car accident, nearly losing her life and having a stroke. This caused him to focus more on his career, providing for his family, and he found himself becoming a high-functioning alcoholic from pressures from work and life. This led him to losing custody of his kids and in a divorce. From that point on, he decided that he needed to change his life. And that's where he found movement. After entering the movement space and later on becoming a world-class movement coach, He learned valuable lessons for life and how to change his mind and his body and how the two link together. Since then, he hasn't looked back and has been shifting the narrative of exercise by influencing movement for life around the world. We also talk about becoming your best self, showing up for yourself, being true to your word to break down your own limitations in life and how you can change your life from today. Thanks so much for listening into today's episode. This is a bare warning that today's episode does have a few frizzles in our audio due to connection issues. So we do apologize for this, but you'll still get jam-packed value as you listen all the way through. Thanks again for listening in and enjoy. Thanks so much for joining the podcast today. For everyone listening in, who are you and what do you do? G'day, Chris. My name's Aaron, and I am a movement teacher. So we just had to restart this podcast. I just let everyone know. But for every everyone listening in, just to kind of get a bit more history on your your background, um, starting with where, where you were born, what your upbringing was was like, and, and your first uh, down in Sydney. But 
I grew up on the mid-north coast of New South Wales in a little country. And my first job was a paper boy. I delivered papers, read these pieces of paper in the mornings with print on them. And the only way to get your news was the exploitation of young boys like myself <laughs> on push bikes delivering these things. I had to get up at half past five in the morning and ride down, rain, hail or shine to the paper shop, roll up my papers and ride 12 kilometres around town, try not to break windows and avoiding angry dogs, delivering papers for $20 a week at the time. And I got that job because mum and dad wouldn't buy me the mongoose expert BMX I wanted. And they said, get a job. I was 14. So I did. And then uh, three months in, when there was a complaint from the school that I was falling asleep at school because of the seven-day-a-week rigorous <laughs> job routine, uh, they begged me to stop. And mum and dad ended up, maybe I lasted six months, and they actually ended up paying me $20 a week just to stay home and do chores at home and focus on schooling. And they went halves with me with the BMX. So that was a win for me. And something we I, I did touch on before was work ethic of like obviously starting that from, you know, getting up, doing all the, those hours before school and stuff and, and how that's kind of, I, I guess, like transferred in, into your work, work ethic as well. And, and it's actually something I wanted to ask before, but I didn't, didn't ask was how, was that a positive or a negative to have such a high work effort? Or, or being used to working so hard, do you think that affected the way that you maybe valued hard work versus smart work as well? Do you think that was like a contradiction at times as well? Um, yeah, absolutely, because there, there's value in it, um, value in that experience because it taught me hard work. But then the curse of my family that my father has given to me, and this is some Bruce Lee stuff, um, that I'm trying to not give to my son, you know, I think your father's unfinished, your, your father's unfinished business can be your curse. And for my dad, he worked to, you know, provide for your family and, and buy things. So work was always a negative thing. And I grew up with that belief that work wasn't something you enjoy, uh, cause I saw my father not enjoy it. And so. The paper run was actually pretty fun. I mean, for a while, uh, the best part was the other boys in the morning. Um, sometimes they'd get hot donuts from the bakery and we'd be rolling our papers, sharing fresh hot cinnamon donuts. Um, my grandmother knitted me a sweater, um, and a beanie and some gloves for winter because it was freezing. Um, yeah, I guess the banana box on the back and the hockey straps and, and, when I upgraded to a mountain bike with gears and um, the dreaded Murray Road Hill that I had to deal with every day, um, Stephen King's It came out around the same time and it freaked me out. And I used to ride past drains and be frightened that there were evil clowns in them. And these are the memories of a 14-year-old introduced to the workforce through grueling seven-day-a-week uh, labour. And, and it, it just got... It did get grueling over time. Um, so there's both positive and negative lessons in it. Um, the positive is it taught me I, you know, I can work hard. I can get up every single day and, and make it on time. 
be punctual, um, uh, do what I'm told and, and deliver. But then also, you know, I guess you don't want that to be the rest of your life, doing something you don't enjoy. Um, but those sorts of jobs are great, I think, initially for, for kids because they kind of – if you you're not meant to stay in that job. It's a stepping stone to something else. The problem comes later on in life when you're a mature adult. For me, I went off to uni and got a law degree, and, and then I started working as a lawyer. Now, when you land in that job, it feels like a forever job. It's not this, oh, I'm working at Macca's to get somewhere else, or I'm working at the paper run to get my mongoose, and then, but, but I'm at school. Or there's, some, there's always somewhere else for me to go. The depression for me kicked in when I got to my law job after my whole life of study. And this was supposed to be the holy grail. This was supposed to be, you've made it. And I got there and then there was, you're there. And there's, this isn't a job to get to another job. This is it. This is your life. And if that's not an enjoyable place to be, it's a depressing situation to be in. And, and that's kind of where I found myself. And I guess it's interesting, right? Because we live in a time where, you know, you can create anything, you can do anything. Um, but it is fantasized as well because it does require elements of hard work, smart work, um, drive. You need to have resilience to get through challenges and problem solve when needed. Um, I guess like transitioning from being in that role of, you know, a lawyer to getting to become a movement coach do you think that as you're going through that that process you know you had to learn some lessons as you're starting your own law firm yeah starting my own firm was uh huge because it came off the back of being made redundant in the gfc global financial crisis hit um and by 2010 the work on the sunshine coast had uh i was in property and business so it had really tightened up so I got let go of the firm I was working for which I had mixed feelings about because I'd, I'd been making my budgets it wasn't a performance issue I'd, I'd done what I was told and and performed um, so it was just a, there's no work for you to do um, and it didn't feel safe for me so uh, being employed no longer felt like a safe option because my destiny is in the hands of, of another man and of the economy so I always had this urge to have more control over my income. And so I always wanted to um, not put my fate in someone else's hands. So that was a big thing. And unfortunately, the redundancy came two weeks after my wife at the time was in a horrendous head-on collision car accident on the Sunshine Motorway um, just south of the Coolum Roundabout. And she was nearly killed. She had a stroke and horrific injuries. And so um, I started my law firm from home in my boardies on my laptop to take care of her and knowing that it'd be a lengthy rehabilitation process. And my goal was to provide for the both of us, make sure we're both okay and not put my fate in anyone else's hands ever again. And so I've never, that was in 2010, and I've never worked for anybody else ever since. I've always work for myself so uh, i had that firm for, for 10 years and i sold it in 2020 and gave myself the, the golden handshake and decided to 
exit on on a high and um, look at doing something else. And that's how I've transitioned over into movement. What did um what did that look like for you transitioning into movement? Was that something that was hard? Like was because obviously running your law business for such a long time you would have been i could only assume like embedded in that as that's who you are yeah so um yeah it's a stressful industry to be in it's fairly high pressure and five years in we we had the rehabilitation of the accident um, we had two kids as well we went on to have children and i think the culmination of the success of the law firm because it became successful um but that also means a lot more work plus children um, plus trying to process the accident and the changes that had um, on my relationship, my marriage uh, resulted in me not coping overly well with the stress and not having very many tools either at the time. Uh, so I coped with alcohol and I became more or less a high functioning alcoholic. And I would drink, um, you know, like two cartons of beer a week, a bottle of single malt whiskey and a couple of bottles of wine um, every week. So I'd be having sort of 10 or 12 drinks, you know, every evening, maybe more. And um, I was still able to function, but I was just perpetually hung over. And that slid into some deep melancholy and at times depression and my relationship suffered. and. Uh, eventually it led to the demise of my marriage and my marriage ended. I went through a separation and a divorce. And then it was really losing the privilege of living with my children full time that it really rocked me. And, um, it made me realize I, I wasn't healthy, wasn't taking care of myself. And so I kind of hit about a, a rock bottom moment losing my kids. And, um, that's when I decided to make some health changes and gave up liquor got healthy and I needed to exercise. I needed to move my body. So I was fortunate enough to discover hand balancing, gymnastic strength, locomotion um, through the movement culture and teachers like Ido Portal uh, were popping up on my radar and I was fortunate enough to get along to a few of his seminars. And it really just opened my eyes to the depth of movement and how holistic that can be um, for your life and and so this in turn gave me new skills and over a five-year period I built a body of movement work of my own through through hand balancing and locomotion and working on Olympic rings and learning gymnastics and acrobatics um, but other people started to reach out and wanted assistance and so it was never my intention to go into it to become a teacher or to create a new career but just through getting better and better at it and falling more and more in love with it and becoming more and more obsessed with the details and um, how expansive it is, the lifestyle of it, 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 it sort of presented itself as another another pathway for me. And when someone came along and offered me money to buy my law firm, I, I thought, well, I just turned 40. I feel like a change. This could be a midlife crisis, but let's go for it. <laughs> so I sold, I sold my firm, and um, and now I've been coaching people online and creating online courses and teaching in person and doing workshops and 
absolutely loving it. And it's the thing I like about like the health and wellness world is it it's a, it's a, a shift in perspective and it also allows people to I guess understand how to rebuild their life because much like training you you have a progressive overload with you know whether you're working towards a move, new movement or a, a strength personal best or whatever it is increasing your mobility um everything has a process and and when you're actively working in something that is always reminding you that it's a process a step-by-step um, action list that you have to go through whether it be building strengths whether it be learning something new whether it be mastering a skill you can really transfer that into life whether it be like your emotional state whether it be your relationships whether it be understanding how to regulate your own emotions in a certain way so that's why i love movement and i love health and wellness because it's always reminding us that in life it, it is important to always seek more but enjoy the process of learning to improve how you are so when you kind of went from that i guess lawyer to running your movement practice what were the i guess like the biggest three lessons you kind of learned from that like how did it change your life forever for me movement and exercise i didn't call it movement i called it working out training exercising and there was always an element of negativity to that definition because um it was almost like playing rugby if you had to run laps it was almost like punishment mm. and and most of my training revolved around getting bigger so it was all about mass strength and power so we we lifted weights we we did the obligatory uh hamstring stretch before you did your training and it, which took a 30 seconds and there was no mobility work um, i'd never even heard the word of mobility you know playing rugby uh, back then so so for me um some of the biggest lessons were just letting go of the old mentalities of just trying to get bigger for the sake of either aesthetics or initially for me it was function because getting bigger for rugby is very helpful to create more more power um, but then when I, you get into your 30s and everything changes where it's not about that anymore and I, I was married with kids and uh, you want to look good but I just wanted a body that was pain-free it didn't my back didn't hurt you know I had functional joints I could lift my arms over my head and and then when I started exploring a skill-based approach to training um, you realize hand balancing is a is a whole world it's a whole galaxy in itself all the different shapes um you know at first you just want to be able to balance on your hands for 10 seconds uh, then from there you start to focus on the line and straightening it up and taking away the banana bend and then you want to make shapes you want to learn tuck you want to learn straddle then you want to learn how to press up and then you realize oh there's this thing called a stall depress where oh, i'm gonna to have to really get my pancake mobility better if that's gonna unlock and you want your legs to split apart more and you want your hips to open up and then all of a sudden you've got this like supple body that is bendy but also extremely powerful and i i realized i wanted balance and harmony in the body the ability to be soft and fluid and gentle but then also hard as a stone strong and powerful 
I want to be ripped, I want to be muscular, but then I want to be able to get down and do the splits, you know, so I want I want my body to be a more complete package than just this stiff bodybuilding rugby cannonball that um, is, is in pain and, and doesn't really serve me uh, to run around after my kids or to be able to hike a mountain one day or surf some waves the next. I, I want a, I want a body that's capable of doing whatever I ask of it and I want it to be an enjoyable place to live in. So I want mm. it to be pain free. So that was really, that were really the big lessons that, that came through for me when exploring movement and incorporating that as a lifestyle rather than just seeing the gym as this punishment, this place where I had to go to punish myself for three times a week or something. And it's interesting because like with training and it, like myself training as well, like over a decade now and, you know, I remember what the process of going to train when I was younger to training now is completely different with the conception of what my perception of it is. When I first started training it, it really was that go in, go hurt yourself, go get tougher, you know, get bigger, you know, it's externally for everyone else but myself. Um, and you, you wonder why you're like, oh, I'm training, I'm doing all these things, but like, why do I still feel like shit inside? And you know, maybe it's because you're just, you know, throwing yourself against the wall, you're building all that information in your body, you never really allowing yourself to recover. And th there's no real deeper purpose to it. And I think with what you're doing now, it's, it's interesting, right? Because so many people have so many injuries all the time. And they get caught in, oh, training is just lifting weights or it's just doing a run on a treadmill. But I think if you look at shift that training is more than that, and it's it's more about actually creating a sustainable change where you can live longer, feel better. That that's kind of where where the conception of you know training is slowly getting to, but we're still still a far way away from it. I guess the question would be is like what what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have with training that you know they don't realize that it may improve x y and z well i think just the idea of it being training rather than this is your life um there are no days off in life you don't get a day off you don't you don't wake up and say oh, i'm just going to take a day off life today that's not how it works you're you're here in this third dimension in this world of form and you have this body and you have no choice. It, your soul or your spirit or this divine being that you are in your heart animates this body, this third dimensional molecular structure that you have and unique to you. You have a, a unique body. No one else has the same one. And you don't get a choice. You have to move in that thing every single day whether you like it or not so the idea that training is optional uh, to me is false and to me movement you have to move every day so why not move in ways that are joyous that make you feel good that put you into flow state and that enhance the qualities of the other aspects of your life your relationships your finances your 
um, your desire to be here, um, your happiness. Um, so for me, movement is connected to those things. And when it becomes your life and um, you can find joy in the little things that might just be walking the dog, this is movement. Um, stop seeing it as exercise. It's this, oh, I've got to have one hour a day or half an hour a day or it's three times a week. I don't see it like that. I see it as the whole thing is movement and if you if you start to see it like that there's opportunities everywhere and so for me i have daily rituals i have i non-negotiables i go for a walk with my dog every single day rain hail or shine and there's no it's not an option it's just part, it's my first thing i do in the morning when i come back i've got a chin-up bar and i'm traveling at the moment i, I bring one with me and i hang and I hang for at least 60 seconds for two or three rounds. This just decompresses my spine. It opens up my shoulders. It just makes me feel good. And this is not, this is not hard. Um, anyone can hang for a bit. And the, the benefits of that for your shoulders and your spine are immense. Over time, if you're doing this for years, um, the, the, the freedom, just that alone gives you, is incredible. A resting squat. Can you get down low into a resting squat? This should be a primal position to take a shit. You know, if in nature, this is how we we did our poops. <laughs> so um, just getting down into squat when you're playing with your kids or when you're, I don't know, putting air in the tires of your car at the service station. Like, don't just kneel there. Like, get down in your squat and use it. Use There's just opportunities everywhere. Take the stairs. Um, enjoy moving your body and it will reward you with endorphins and there's a pharmacy in your brain that's full of drugs you don't need to take exogenous drugs because they're all there you've got the serotonin the dopamine all the stuff that makes you feel high and exercise is the ultimate drug dealer it will it will give you these good happy feelings if you want to feel joyous elated happy, peaceful, then clear, then exercise is the number one antidepressant going. So that's how I choose to see it rather than this this awful, horrible thing that you've got to go and do because someone else told you to. Mm. And it's it's interesting because it's like when, when you, I guess you could say when you start to embody a lifestyle change, versus a a new new habit and like habits are great that's what how we create you know embodying new routines but it's like well how can you reframe things in a certain way that allows you to want to do something more what do you think is the the biggest limitations in people because everything correlates based off every action that you do so you going from running papers to running a law firm to running a successful movement um, business online, they're all traits of consistent habits and routines. But what do you think it is that stops people from actually going all in on something and actually, you know, being, I guess, successful or, or continuing to progress in a direction that they want to pursue? I think mindset, it's definitely mindset is the biggest one um but how do you improve that that's the big question and i think for most people baseline you know and i and i've been through this myself 
being consistently hung over, there are chunks of my life, years, I can barely remember because I was drunk for most of it. And my baseline, I had no, I just didn't realize you could feel this good. I just thought life was this uh, dark, heavy, melancholy, like it, it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't meant to be enjoyable. It was actually a depressing experience and it was just suffering more or less and waiting. I'm just here waiting to die. And I've just got to get up and do enough so that uh, I stay in the game. And there were times when I started, I questioned, I don't even know if I want to be in this game. Like this sucks. This life sucks. And if that's your baseline, that's how you wake up each day. Um, it's not a good place to be. And it's not until you feel good that you, you you carve out some time for yourself or you make some changes and they have to be small to begin with to be achievable and you start racking up these little wins. And the key to all of this is keeping your word to yourself. So most people aren't in congruence with their own conscious, with their own uh, conscience or you have your gut um, or the heart whatever you want to call it, there is a there is guidance within telling you whether the choices you are making are, are good or not. You know when you eat something, if you feel like crap afterwards, whether that's a good or a bad thing for you. You know whether how you spend your time, if you've just been wasting time consuming TikTok and, and like excessively, you know, oh, was that a was that a wise use of my time? If you're just not moving and being lazy, you know inside that this is not a wise use of your time. So tuning into that intuition that you have, and part of that is removing things. So people think fitness is about I need the equipment, I need the gym membership, I need the sporty clothes. When actually you need to remove stuff, you need to remove the distractions. And the things that are stopping you from being healthy. So that might be getting rid of the junk food and just stripping it back. Like fasting's huge now. Who would have thought just eating nothing can actually be better for you than eating all this shit that people eat? Um, but but it's all the science is coming out that oh that's actually that's actually better for you. <laughs> um, fitness is like you don't need you can go for a walk and the benefits of walking are immense. Like I just said before, a hang. These basic little things. So you need a protocol for yourself. You set up some non-negotiables and there's no debating it each day. You have a set of rules and it's up to you to do. You can design this however you like. It's your life. Set a set a set of protocols for yourself and then you start doing them every single day. No excuses. They're non-negotiable. And then your soul or your heart or whatever you want to call it, it recognizes all. Oh, you're looking after me. You're keeping your word to me. This is integrity. And we start to have this congruence of the personality with the body. So this, this internal being that you are starts to match the, the egoic character that you've created to survive in this life. And then all of a sudden, things start going really well. And you start feeling good because you have the belief in yourself. And if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. So you got to start with these little things and rack up those W's, stack up these wins, and they compound over time. And then before you know it, years have gone by, you're doing stall depressors, handstands, 
reverse ring rolls on the rings. You're doing incredible stuff and everybody thinks, well, it's easy for you because you're talented. Well, no, I started, I couldn't lift my arms up. I was depressed. I was out of shape. I couldn't get into a low squat. It hurt to hang. I couldn't, you know, do a dislocate with a stick. I couldn't take a broomstick and just rotate my arms over my head because my shoulders were that jacked up just from years of neglect. Uh, my liver was pickled from being an alcoholic, but it, it took it took years to rehabilitate, but it's one day at a time. And the little things, each day I didn't drink was a win. It was another victory for me. And I got stronger and stronger and stronger. And this is how it's done. Mm. And it's just like compounding your wins. It's like the more you compound, the more you save. Put it in. Great. This is what I say. It's like you put your dollars into a, your index fund, and you know over time you don't see much of a difference. But once time goes a little bit longer, a little bit longer, you you start to get more returns on you know your dividends. You get paid more from a, a company or whatever it is, and it's just like just keep investing in yourself, and eventually the compound interest builds, and you start to get a return on your own investment. But you you can't have that that instant gratification, you know. You don't, especially being in the society we are in today. Everyone wants the the instant fix. They want the dopamine release, and it's like, well, no. It's you're going to get more out of actually delaying that gratification, and that's going to enhance how much you appreciate something, or I guess how grateful you are for something. And um, yeah, I think I think that's so important because I think we get so distracted by so many different things of course like whether that be overindulging in social media and comparisons whether that be listening to someone who's on a different level to you they're on their own journey like there's there's so many things out there so i guess like the, the question really is it's like all right well i'm at the lowest point and you know i feel lost or or I just don't know where to go. Like what, like what's the, the simplest thing that you would recommend someone to do to, to kickstart that compounding? So the lowest point for me, the rock bottom was actually the point where you can't stand yourself. And I, I had a moment where I had an argument with my wife. I just bought these new hats for my law firm and I'd had the embroidery done with my logo and all of this. And we had the two kids in the back that were, babies at the time still in those car capsules and we were driving along on our way to a family barbecue i was extremely hungover as i was every day i couldn't regulate my emotions at the time so i would go from zero to angry and yelling in a in a flash and we were arguing over the temperature in the car she wanted it warmer for the children and because probably because i was an overheating alcoholic I wanted it colder, so I put the air on the cold. And we were doing this stupid thing where we weren't communicating verbally. We were just flicking the switch when the other one wasn't watching. And I wouldn't notice. And then I'd all of a sudden be hot, and I realized she'd switched it to hot. So then this went on as we're driving along. And finally, I lost it. I just lost it and, and was um, started screaming and carrying on like a pork chop. And then I wound my window down and I just stuck my head, fine, you have it on hot. And I stuck my head out the window to let the air cool me off. And my brand new hat blew off my head. And it, and I saw it in the rearview mirror, land in the center of the road. And then a big truck, a big lorry came by and flattened it, ran straight over it. And I just lost it. And I did a U-turn and drove back to get my hat. And as I pulled off the road in a, you know, um, in an angry way, 
pulled up really abruptly. We actually um, went off the road and tilted, uh, teetered on the edge of this. Oh, it was a mini embankment and we nearly rolled the car and we were sort of teetering on this. Thing. I had to climb up out of the car and the kids are screaming and crying and I had to get everybody out. And then it stopped all the traffic and there was a big scene and the kids were really frightened. And, and I, you know, it could have been really serious. And anyway, the police came and um, you know, they had to close off the whole road and get a tow truck and they had to pull me up out of this. And this was after years of build up. And, um, and, and anyway, a lovely lady took my wife and the kids away and they went off to the barbecue and, and um while the we're waiting for the tow truck and the police were there, I, I went I just felt so low and I and I it just felt like it was all my fault and that that whatever I was trying just wasn't working. And I went down and I sat in the gutter where no nobody could really see me behind a tree. And I and I just it it all cracked open. I just I I lost it and I just wept. I cried and I, I finally just let it all out. I'm not a big crier. And I just had this, you know, the cries that are just different to other cries, these tears, it was like years of searing pain and regret, just pouring out of my eyeballs, almost scolding my face. And, um, and I had this thought that this, this guy, this guy that I've built, this character, Aaron, he's not working anymore. He has to die. And, and I, and I killed him there. And then I, I, I killed myself in a metaphorical way. I retired him. It's like, you're done. You're done, buddy. Um, and that was my rock bottom moment. And looking back, as horrid as it was, it, it I couldn't stand to stay the same. And so it forced me to make a change. And so I promised myself I wouldn't drink alcohol for at least a year. And I set that goal. And I went off and got some help. I got a psychologist. Um, I went and learned meditation. Uh, the psychologist referred me to a transcendental meditation teacher. I went and did a course on that. I invested in a meditation practice. Um, I found some online resources to learn movement. And, and it was these breadcrumbs, these one step at a time things that gave me tools to get myself out of this low point but it was actually the low point that triggered it all so if you are in a low point and your life feels unbearable this is actually a good thing because it's a catalyst for change and this is often unfortunately how humans react pain is often the best teacher um, because when you're comfortable it's it's hard to change because you're comfortable but when you get so uncomfortable that you have to change it's like you don't have a choice and that's how it was for me and of course, it took a long time to rehabilitate myself and come out of that really crappy situation. But eventually, um, I'll, I'll give you an example of that compound interesting you, you mentioned. I set a goal for it for a year of no alcohol. The money I was spending on alcohol, I put in a separate savings account. At the end of the 12 months, not only did I save enough, but I also I made so much more money in my business because that 5 10% extra each day I was able to get because I wasn't hung over. I was clearer. I had more energy. I started making more money. And with the savings and the more money I made, at the end of the year, I had, I had made enough money to buy a brand new Ducati motorcycle, the motorcycle of my dreams, this really cool 1970s Ducati Scrambler. 
and I bought this sick motorbike. And then that was like this reward. And yeah, it seems materialistic or whatever, but it was like, this is a visual representation of the badass year you've just had because you pulled yourself up out of the shit and you turned your life into something that now inspires other people. And, and other people started reaching out for help. Like, how do I, you know, you just look like you're glowing. Like you've got so much energy, like everything. You just seem to be kicking ass at everything. Like, what are you doing, man? And, and so this was the process for me, but it came from that suicidal depression rock bottom moment um where every it just felt like everything was going wrong at one point a year later everything's going right and it was just these daily habits that stacked up to a, a completely new life and it's huge like i think that we've, we've all experienced those those moments right where you're just like oh this is heavy i don't want to be this person anymore and when you just like open up and you and you just take that responsibility to be like, you know what? I'm not going to try and be this person anymore. I'm not going to play this zone. I'm not going to be this avatar. I'm just going to allow allow myself to be open to the world and just show up as best as I can every day. And it completely changes. And it, it, it realistically is the question I guess a lot of people can ask themselves is like, am I being who I, who I really want to be today? as well because the question i ask myself as an example is what one percent have i done today to allow myself to you know take one more step up the staircase like what am i doing that is allowing me to be the best version of myself today and i think it's a great question because it can allow people to actually face themselves because no one wants to face themselves when when they are in those states and they they may not be presenting themselves as the person that they could be or they want to be. So I think, I think it's, it's such a, it, it's that, that, uh, that rock bottom moment that, like you said, really defines when people are actually open enough to change direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know for me, I got stuck on the purpose theme for a long time. And um, I think in your own development, for, for me, I wasn't lucky enough to just know what I wanted to do at school or I never had that, you know, you meet these people and oh, they're just going to be an actor or they're just going to be an athlete or they just know early on. I'm always really jealous of those people because I didn't know. And so the question that really plagued me for most of my life up until recently was what is the purpose of my life? I need to know what it is. And I remember once I took a holiday to Thailand and they had this service called monk chat where you could like talk to a, a Buddhist monk under a tree. Uh, it was part of their kind of like volunteer work where they'd sit there and talk to you. And I thought, I'm going to ask an enlightened monk, what is the purpose of my life? And so, here, you know, we sit down and I ask him, what is the purpose of my life? And he just erupted into laughter. He just laughed at me, laughed at my, in my face. And I, I was, um, I don't know, 27 or something at the time. And it infuriated me. I just felt like punching him in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and looking back now, and we had a chat about it, and I was like, am I meant to be a lawyer? Am I meant to be a writer? Am I meant to be a coach? I need to know what is the purpose. And for me, um, I've come to understand, you know, those labels are, aren't, I'm, I'm missing the point, basically. And the purpose of your life 
and this is what I think it to be now is to be the best version of yourself so that you can help others. So it's to, to deliver the, the person that you always wanted to look up to and, and you be that person for yourself and for everyone else around you. And if you just make that your only job, uh, all of a sudden making the healthy choices become easier because another technique that I've used is I've got a photograph of my first day of school, which was a traumatic day for me. I'm in my uniform. I've got my little bag. And, you know, when your parents take that photo of you, your first day of school, your hair's all combed and neat and your shirt's tucked in. And there's six-year-old little Aaron about to embark into the world. And for me, this is the day where you really start to create the ego because you leave the safety of the nest and you go out into the world and you need to build some some personality traits to survive. And this is more or less, if you if you read sort of like Rudolf Steiner's work about the development of the human brain and the mind, this is kind of where we start to build our ego and we need this to survive in the world. Anyway, I've got this photograph because that's the day where I feel like, you know, I, I went out into the world and and I'm not yet corrupted by it. I'm still this pure little boy and I've got it as my screensaver on my phone. And I look at it every single day and I think, how am I going to treat this little boy? Because he's still in here. He's still me. And would I poison him with alcohol? Would I give that little boy liquor? Would I give that little boy sugary shit food, processed crap that's not helping him? Or would I feed him nutritious, helpful food? Would I give him the protein he needs for his muscles to grow? Would I, would I hydrate him with good quality water? You know, would I... Would I invite him to sit in the sunshine and still his mind and play some games? You know, these are the things. This is how I would treat this boy. And this is me. This is how I, would, this is how I, I want to treat myself. And so this is just a reminder. And it's something you can do. You find a photo of, uh, of yourself as a child. And you think it's just easier to know how to treat a child than it is to treat your grown-ass grown adult self because so many of us just, neglect ourselves and we stop we just stop seeing it in that way absolutely it's 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 so huge and it's just like it reminds me of a quote by jordan peterson i'm gonna butcher it though because i'm gonna say it completely wrong here but <laughs> or it could be someone completely wrong i could butcher butchered it who said it as well but it it essentially says be the person who is the carer of you so essentially if you had to look after yourself, what would it, what would you have to do to look after yourself to make sure that, you know, you're well taken care of, you're guided, um, how you speak to yourself, like, how would you guide yourself in this world? Um, if you had to look after yourself and because I think a lot of the time we, we really, we catastrophize and we, we, a lot of people resent themselves based on their choices um, or who they have cultivated themselves to be or the ego that has, um, I guess, come into this life as, as who, who they think they have to be. And that, I guess the traits of, of essentially some, most times like narcissism comes through and, and, and this is something I talked with some of the other day. It's like, everyone has narcissism in them. There's levels of narcissism and narcissism is, um, take it with a grain of salt it's a coping mechanism to you trying to survive in this world without being pushed down or you know 
being mistreated. And I, I think the more that people actually switch that, that, that perspective from I have to do this to make sure that I function well in good food and blah, 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 to I get to eat great food and I get to train and I get to hang out with cool people and I get to go in the sun. Sounds so much better. Like what a vibe compared to being like, oh, I've got to, I've got to give myself some, some food that makes me be the best version of myself. What a chore, you know, like shift the language and, and it, it cultivates into something so much more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my favorite spiritual teacher is Ram Das, and he's got a terrific story because he was a he studied psychology and uh, he taught at Harvard and and was a scholar and very fascinated by the psychological principles of the human mind and and saw that as a way to contribute to human humanity and and help people unravel their own neuroses. But um, eventually. He, he found the spiritual path and, and it was through a guru in India, Maharaji, his teacher, and met an enlightened being. And he came to say that it was not that the enlightened ones ever lose their neuroses. They, they just learn to live with them. So they just learn to, to cope and observe and witness their own neuroses. And in a way, you can almost find that funny. Um, oh, there he goes again. If you can watch yourself, and this is the whole benefit of seeing yourself as that boy or from a third party perspective it gets you out of your own eyeballs you step behind go a layer behind and see yourself as someone else like you just mentioned and all of a sudden it's very easy to make the decisions for that for the care of that individual but for some reason when we're in the first person you can't see the wood for the trees and and it's overwhelming and life's difficult so it's a great exercise to step back into that witness chair, into that observer role and think, what is a good decision for this for this human right now? If I was caring for them, what would I do? And I think it just it simplifies the decision-making process. And then you have a relationship with this being and it, it recognizes when you're making the good choices. And this is what there's this energetic quality to it where you just feel better and it's not just because of the better nutrition or the better movement or the sunlight they're they're all there but it's it's this honoring the word to yourself that cultivates purity of heart and and this is a vibe this is the vibe the the energetic state of feeling incredible because you're not breaking your word to yourself and i've got children and the, the last thing you want to do is promise something to your kids and not deliver because the disappointment when you say you're going to do something and you don't, this is a cruel, horrible thing to do to a child. So if you could see yourself in that way and you're just, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go for a run tomorrow and you don't. Imagine if you said to your kid, oh, I'll, I'll take you to the fun park tomorrow and then you just don't do it. How How cruel that would be to them or yeah, tomorrow we'll go to the park and play. And then you just don't do it. You just sit on your phone and, I don't know, scroll Instagram. <laughs> Look at other people in the park. Um, if you just break promises to yourself every single day, this leads to a, an incongruence. There's a, you have an internal conflict that needs to be reconciled. Maybe you don't sleep so great. Maybe 
there's something not feeling right. And, and, and the problem is not keeping your word to yourself. So uh, it's a matter of getting those, those things in, in order. And it can be as simple as oh, what, what you choose to eat in the day or going for a walk or the little tiny things they all add up and this is how it's done you need to stack them up and and eventually you you feel so much better as a result for people who are on i guess that coaching journey of wanting to build their own brand and build their own business what advice would you have for them Solve your own problems first and then share those solutions with the public because chances are, well, it's guaranteed. Other people have exactly the same problems. We think we're unique snowflakes and the paradox is you do have a unique signature in some ways, but then the paradox is equally and in the opposite, you're just like everyone else. Everyone else is having the human experience too. We all struggle with things. We all suffer. So if you alleviate your own suffering, then by sharing that with others, that then helps them. And then we all help each other along and lift each other up. So you don't have to be a professional or an expert at anything because everybody's at a different stage in their journey. And for me, this was a problem initially was, oh, I'm not good enough to teach anything because Look how much more developed the teachers are that I'm learning from. I can't compete with them, but you don't have to because there's somebody who is at where you were at a year ago. You're a year into your development. Well, there's somebody that's even worse off than where you started and you have something now to teach them. Even if it's a beginner, you know, you've, you can finally get down into a resting squat after a year of improving your hip mobility and your knees and your ankles. Now you know something that they don't. So I can't get into a squat. How do I do it? You give them the drills. You share with them. You show it on social media. And it doesn't matter that you don't have the best squat in the world. It matters that you solve the problem. And you. so now you have value. And then you share that. And this is basically how you grow your audience, build your brand, because you're trying to help others. You're not just thinking about yourself. And that's the whole thing with, you know, going into coaching, you're going into it to help other people, you know, not just show off your own skills. So it's about them. So when I'm making content each day, I'm thinking about what do people need? And usually it's the basics, their back hurts, their shoulders are jammed up. They're, they've got a knee, a dodgy knee. Um, so you address these things, very simple things, and share them. And then people gravitate to that. And that's epic. I think that's – I'm yet to meet someone uh, who runs a business or a personal brand that is unsuccessful and they add more value than people expect. Like <laughs> I was I, a prime example is I was talking to someone yesterday and they're like, you know, we our only value is to create great experiences and over deliver and i was like okay cool like is it like is growth like a value of yours like what what and they're like not really we just believe the the better job we do the more people will come and you know i've, I've met so many people like that and it's true it's simple <laughs> do a great job 
have it with the right intentions, good things will come. Absolutely, man. And I think um, for me early on, at least with like Instagram and social media, um, initially I was just sharing my own journey and my own learning experiences. But then, you know, I also want to show off and, and was showing off the higher level stuff that I was working on, which to a lot of people isn't overly useful. And it was only recently that I completely changed my style around social media and it was because I was I was actually moving so I just in terms of my own non-negotiables I made a rule that I would post once a day and because I didn't have a great deal of time I switched it over to just posting basic tips and it might be how to improve your low squat um but I do it in my own quirky quirky way and with a sense of humor and um you know sometimes I have joint custody of my children. So I, I do like a week on week off. And if I've got my kids, I don't have this perfect window of time without my kids there to do it. So I include them in it. And sometimes my kids are in my videos too. And when I started doing this, um, all of a sudden it was received a lot better. And so it was kind of like a mistake initially. Um, and it was a more of a, an efficiency idea that oh, I don't have much. I want to keep my, toe in the water on this social media thing so i'll just make really simple quick videos and i started doing that and i had one i had one blow up to um it's up to 2.7 million views um just the other the other week and all of a sudden my following jumped from 5,000 to it's it's nearly at 40,000 as we speak and um it's up to about 39,000 so um it just goes to show that it's it's the basic simple things and when the intention is to help other people 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 receive that and they feel that and they respond well to it and you know it's if you ever have a conversation with someone and you know they just want something it the same goes with everything that you do people know somehow some way they know um so a few quick questions now yeah um yeah, you just got to answer them as quick as you can. Nothing too crazy. Are you ready? Okay, rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, worst advice you've ever received? My dad um, told me not to start my own business. Yeah. Best advice you've ever received? Be yourself. Yeah. Um, favorite quote? Mm. no pressure no diamond yeah biggest impact exercise has had on your life it's made me very very happy yeah epic good um and then the biggest lesson you've learned from movement I really think it's giving me it's given me a model for life, a model for doing life in general. It's transcended the skills and I'm using the same process to enhance every aspect of my life. Epic. Um, last one, not a speed question. 
So this little activity I do sometimes. Sometimes I do it on the podcast. Sometimes I don't. It just depends. I think you'll enjoy it. So what I'll get you to do, I'll get you to close your eyes. You can trust me. I'm not there. It's fine. Um, <laughs> and what, what I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine that there's a, a lift in front of you. And you press the little button to the side and the doors open. And as you walk in, you notice that there's red velvet all around the lift, a little seat, gold, golden little buttons here and there. And I want you to just click on one of the buttons, takes you down to a level, wherever that may be. And and as the doors open, it's a time in your life where you need advice the most, whatever age, whatever time, wherever the place may be. And I want you to walk up to yourself. And I want you to give yourself that advice that you're most seeking in that time. And then after you have, I want you to get back in the lift, bring yourself back up, open the eyes and let us know. Yeah, so I was taken to a moment. I was 18 and um, I was saying goodbye to my grandmother. Uh, she was in the hospital and I knew it was the last time. She was she was dying of cancer and she was terminal. And I went in, I was very close to my grandma and I went in to say goodbye. And there was a beautiful light coming in through the window and she had that beautiful paper skin you know, old people have such soft skin and she had a smell and she's like a, a cuddly, a cuddly woman, cuddly, soft woman. And I had this beautiful moment with her, just me and her. And she looked into my eyes and as I, I worked up the courage to, to leave knowing it'd be the last time that we'd be together. And she just looked at me and she said, take care of yourself Aaron so I think that's the advice that came to me then um, that I a creed worth living by take mm -hmm. care of yourself and it's so important as well because sometimes we we're, we're all we're all goldfish right like we forget to take care of ourselves so I think it's it's super valuable and I think if if anyone listening in can take something away from even our conversation today it's just like the most important thing really is the more that you give to yourself the more that you can give to others as well um i guess the the last the last question i have for you is what's one last piece of advice one sentence you'd say to someone who feels doubt in jumping into the unknown to do something that may feel uncomfortable but is something intentionally they do know they need to do. Well, my advice would be, how is the known going for you? How is the known turning out? And if it's unpleasant or you're not entirely happy with it, what is there to lose by stepping out into the dark woods? So take a chance, embrace the uncertainty and welcome it in. Um, you're more powerful than you imagine. Find some support, read some good books, find somebody to hold your hand if you need, find a good teacher, 
and surround yourself with positive people and keep moving forward, but one step at a time. Epic. For people who want to uh, follow you and see what you're up to or potentially get some coaching or just, just have a stalk, where can uh, people find you on social media? Instagram, A Griffarama or Aaron Griffiths is my my handle. And I have a YouTube channel, Aaron Griffiths. Um, so Instagram's the the main one. You can I've got a website as well, AaronGriffiths.com.au. Uh, but most people like to connect through Instagram. That's where I'm currently most active. Uh, so sharing tips and Workout ideas, movement ideas, mindset, all of that stuff on Instagram. Um, yeah, just trying to offer as much value as I can to everybody from the lessons I've learned uh, in my 41 and three quarter years on this planet. So uh, much to learn, much still to learn, but I love learning and I love sharing what I learned. So it can hopefully help other people who might be going through the same problems. No doubt. I'm sure 100% sure a lot of people can learn a lot of things from you. Um, i got to say, though, thank, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate you jumping on the podcast today and sharing your story and, and, and your wisdom and the, the lessons that you've learned throughout this process. And, yeah, I'm excited to see your journey unfold even more and see you continue to make an epic impact with people in the movement world and, and in life in general. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I hope all your listeners are well and I hope everyone's doing well out there and having a great day. So take care, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Thanks so much for listening in today. I hope you enjoyed that episode and got some value out of it. If it made a positive impact in your life and made you think, what could I do to be better? Or gave you some answers that maybe you might've been seeking. I just ask that you share it with your friend or family member, or even take a screenshot and share it online. This helps us to spread our message and make a positive impact around the world. Thanks so much for listening in and see you next time.